Hello, and welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5c.consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Adaptive Podcast. This is Greg Ballard here, and I am pleased to have a good friend and colleague, our guest, Seth Stone. Uh, Seth, thank you for joining us today. Greg, it's my pleasure. Um, happy to be on. It's been a little little bit since I've done a podcast, um, so this is exciting for me. Um, as you said, we've gotten to know each other uh, quite well over the past several years, and so um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this time. And uh, just a little bit about myself. Um, I'm the Vice President of Organizational Development at Youth Research, Inc. We are a not-for-profit in the uh, upstate New York area, Albany, to be more specific. And we are closely affiliated with New York State Office of Children and Family Services, so serving a large government agency. In addition to that, uh, I'm an adjunct professor of business and innovation online at Regent University in Virginia Beach. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. We're really glad to have you here today, and it's good to see you too. Um, so I want to dive in, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, and the, the kind of the thrust of the podcast is, is really about how do we stay adaptive as executives and as leaders and how do we keep our, our organizations um, in tune with the market? And so I want to open up with this kind of question and, and just how have you, you know, yourself and, and maybe even what you've seen in, in your work, um, executive adapting the last couple of years and, and really staying to the on the front lines and the front edge of being productive and adding value? That is a loaded question. So we'll jump, we'll jump right in. Um, you know, what I've seen personally and, you know, professionally is you have, there's this, there's this large variance of, of people, you know, especially in pandemic times, but, um, you know, we can, we can unpack that a bit more because I think there's more behind, uh, the, than just the pandemic itself. But, you have executives who have really tried to become adaptable and you have executives that have veered in completely the opposite direction and said, there is nothing for me to adapt to. And, mm. and I, I think it's been a really long time in business since we've had such a divergence in thought. Um, and, and so that's been really interesting for me to see. And, you know, I think the, the ones who have dug their heels in and said, you know, there's nothing to adapt to, they, they, they're the ones that are probably experiencing the most pain right now. But when you're talking about adaptability, it's, it's, a, it's a word we like to use a lot right now, but what does that mean to your organization? What does that mean relative to your industry? And even though the desire out there is for many of us to be adaptable, 
I'm not convinced that we're asking all of the right questions early on in that process of saying, you know, we need to become a more, you know, adaptable organization, both to our internal needs and what we see going on in the external marketplace. So that that's my first thought on the subject. I like it. I like it. So when you hear the word adaptable, and it is a buzzword, right? What what do you hear in that word? Another good question. Um, to me, adaptable is, is the ability to pivot with, with this notion that, you know, most businesses hopefully have, you know, guiding set of core values, um, a strategic plan in place for where they want to be three to five years from today. And I think we're just less in this position uh, of luxury where we can just sort of pinpoint this place in the future and say, this is where we want to be five years from now. And we're going to draw a really nice straight line to get there. I, I just don't think that reality exists for most businesses and most industries at this point. And I think if you're going to be adaptable and an, an adaptive executive, you need to get really comfortable with those lines being squiggly and messy and you might make some stops along the way and have some realizations that maybe point A to point, maybe point B isn't actually where we want to be. And we might not discover that until a year from now. And are we open and flexible enough as a management team to say, you know, maybe we didn't necessarily get it wrong, but you know, maybe our vector needs to change a little bit and, and point B needs to be two degrees, you know, to the North or, or whatever the case is. Right. And, and then be able to come to the table and have those conversations and really sort of have that humility to say, let's go back and look at our strategy. Let's think about what we might need to tweak in order to achieve what we want to achieve based on what we now understand is going on in the marketplace. And I, I think, I think that is, I think that is one of the biggest challenges facing executives right now. Mm, I like it. I like it. So I want to dive into this. I want to get your thoughts. And I know we're, we're focusing at the organizational level right now. Right. And, and maybe we'll come back to some individual things in a few minutes. Um, what would be the prerequisites for an organization to be adaptable in your mind? I think it has to be embedded in the culture. You know, I think, I think culture really, really does drive everything. And I, and I know that sounds very cliche in, in a, in a, in a certain respect, but you know, one of the things I've noticed about our organization, uh, the one I work for currently, you know, our, our senior management team has really prioritized culture. And, and, and what do we mean by that? Um, we mean instilling our core values to the point where um, we, we will simply not bend on those values. You know, you are going to treat your coworkers, your peers up and down the hierarchy of the organization with care, with respect, with transparency. You're going to have difficult conversations, but you're going to do that in a respectful way. And at the end of the day, we're seeking 
what's best for the organization. And if you can permeate that down through the different layers of the organization, to me, that's, that's critical. And, and so if you're talking about really being adaptable, you have to think about the current culture that you have in your organization. No organizational culture is perfect, right? What are our strengths? What are our weaknesses? Let's be really honest about that, right? As a, as a senior management or senior executive leadership team, what areas do we want to focus on? Um, how do we continue to play to our strengths simultaneously? And what does that look like for us to incorporate adaptability into you know, the market that we serve or the clientele that we serve? Um, you know, I, I think it goes back to, you know, just one example. It, it's been such a, a hot topic for the last <clears throat> two years is, you know, the idea of, of remote work and, and flexible schedules. And, you know, what does that really mean to us? And that's, that's just one small thing. But again, that's, you know, just, there are many, many considerations. And, and so if you can't embed this concept of adaptability into the culture, you're going to have a really hard time driving that down to levels of middle management, which are so important when it comes to the execution of your overall strategy. I like it. I like it. So there's a few things I want to poke on in there. <clears throat> uh, one, how important should adaptability be right now? And, and I think there's going to be nuance there. Um, are some organizations or industries that need to pay attention to it more than others? I mean, I guess it, it depends on what you prioritize as an organization, really. I mean, if you want to stay relevant for the next 10, 20 years, I would say adaptability, adaptability should be one of the things that's at the top of your list right now. Um, if you have different goals or, or desired outcomes, perhaps um, you know you have a very desirable product, and your end game is to create a liquidity event and sell it to another company. Perhaps adaptability isn't something you care about so much right now, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it really depends on on what your end game is as a leader. But if you want to stick around. Um, I think adaptability is, is really important and, and not just in the hypothetical sense from an organization, but, you know, you look around and to me with the, you know, enhancements and in, in technology and the way we're utilizing technology in a very different way than, than we even were probably a couple of years ago. Right. Um, there is probably more room for cross-industry adaptation than there maybe has ever been in the history of business. And I think oftentimes we think within the silos of the industry that we're in, we're looking at best practices, which is a term I absolutely can't stand. Um, and, and we're really you know, just confining ourselves to what's going on with our competitors or, you know, our partners or the other players who might be involved in our space when, you know, there could be someone, you know, in the tech space that is doing something really important 
that someone like myself, who's in the human services space, could really look at and say, hmm, how does that fit us, right? Mm -hmm. um, we're not going to come out with some fancy new mobile app. That's not the point. That's not what I'm saying. But from a, from a philosophical and then translating into the pragmatic, you know, are there things that other people are doing in other industries that might be ways we've never thought about conducting business before? And to me, that is a really, really important thing to consider. Um, you know, as far as industries go, I, I mean, obviously, I think it, the, the low hanging fruit there is, is tech, right? Um, I think it's, you know, energy and, you know, with the, the driving force to move away from fossil fuels and into alternative energies. And, you know, th those are some of the obvious ones. But I can't think of a single industry that wouldn't benefit from adopting a mindset of adaptiveness. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like it. So another thing you mentioned before, you talked about values and culture. And I'm wondering if you can, from your perspective, how would you, I see them as completely intertwined, right? Values, organizational values and culture. Um, would you characterize them as two separate things or one is part of the other? I mean, they're, they're, they're certainly intertwined. Um, you know, our, our organization actually just went through a really interesting exercise with our, our senior management team and, and a number of our, our middle managers where, um, you know, we, we looked at <clears throat> essentially our values in practice, which that's what culture is, right? It's values in practice. So, you know, but it, it, the work to, to, to get to that point actually started months ago. You know, we worked with um, someone who specializes in that space and we solicited feedback from every single one of our employees. Hey, from your lens, from where you sit, based on your job, what do you think the things that we value as an organization are? And, you know, while some of the specific examples were obviously very different because everyone does very different work. Mm -hmm. You can very quickly start to see, <clears throat> excuse me, these kind of themes and, and different things sort of percolate to the top. And, and that really influenced the discussion that happened at the senior management level so that when we identified our values as an organization and things that we felt confident that we could put into practice, we felt really good about the fact that we believed our employees were going to stand, be able to stand behind this and desire to stand behind them because of the fact that they had some skin in the game in terms of the development of those values. So that way, when, when we got to the table again, months later to talk about values in action, there was already that sort of buy-in there. So I, I think there is a sequential process, right? You can't, you can't kind of just, throw values and culture into the same pot and expect to, you know, create the perfect soup. So I, I do think there's a sequence, but they're so intertwined to the point where, you know, if we looked at any one of our core values as an organization, if one is missing, you'd have a really hard time executing on any of the others. And, and to me, that's when you know you've got it right. Because mm. it creates this embedded sort of 
you know, self-accountability and accountability to others that um, I think is, is absolutely critical in driving positive cu culture forward. That's really fascinating. And I mean, that's a great example of the, the study and the kind of the, that you guys did. And what I'm, what I'm hearing is you, you know, you really engaged everyone in your organization in the process. And I don't know what the outcome was, but my, my assumption based on the work we do is there was probably some seeds that was gathered through that process of engaging the staff, but the final product was not found there. The final product came later. Uh, would, would you agree with that? Is that what actually happened? Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely what happened. Um, but, you know, from our perspective, we had to have that input from the staff because I mean, I mean, think about it, you know, whether you're talking about an organization or whether you're talking about your own personal core values or, or really anything in between, it's really hard to go to someone else and just say, here are the core values that I'm expecting you to live by, right? Um, you know, would you say that to your wife without a conversation? I, knowing you, I doubt it, right? So- right. I wouldn't do that either. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. So, you know, it, it just can't be this thing, which oftentimes happens with mission statements and vision statements and core values, where it's like, they seem to get cooked up in some back room somewhere, and then they're just channeled down and they say, you know, here's what they are. Here's the, the essentially the code of conduct you're expected to, to live by. They become very sterilized. And they're really hard for people to relate to. And that's why we run into these problems where, you know, you'll see, hear people in exit interviews saying, well, the mission statement's nothing more than a placard above the elevator. And that in and of itself is problematic and, and destined to fail. Yeah, I, I can totally, because we, we have a phrase, we say, um, if people that weigh in will buy in. Absolutely. And if you don't give them the opportunity to weigh in, then you know, can you really expect them or can you get an agreement for them to buy in? Um, another whole conversation, expectations and agreements, which we won't go into that right now, but um, I, I, I love this theme on the culture and the values piece and how you talked about you, you, you get the values right when you realize, and you can say, look, if I take any one of these apart, it doesn't work anymore, right? So it's the values are an interactive system. They support one another. Yeah. And and they're stronger when they're unified than any of them in their parts as a, from a value structure. Um, so I think that's really fascinating. There's another nugget in here. I'm trying to, a question I wanted to follow up with on and, and it's elusive to me at the moment. Um, maybe it'll come back at some point further down this conversation. So when we're thinking about adaptability as an organization, I want to kind of pivot into adaptability as a staff member, as an executive, as a manager, as a leader. And I want to ask some of your thoughts on, on what, what drives the ability to be adaptive as an individual, as a worker, as a, as a leader. <laughs> we could spend, I feel like we could spend an hour on this one. Um, We've got five minutes, go. All right, perfect. Um, 
you know, I, th there's there's so many things. I, I, I think, you know, if you're talking about all levels of the organization um, in terms of being adaptable or, or creating that ability to be adaptable, it, to me, it has to start with engagement. If you as an individual are engaged, you are more likely to be responsive, i.e. adaptable to the needs of the organization. And so, you know, engagement is another one of those really um, hot kind of buzzwords. It has been for several years. Um, and, you know, I think that's a whole different conversation in and of itself, but, you know, and, and I think as, as executives, we try, and, and I think the, you know, no disrespect to a lot of the companies that focus their space in employee engagement, but I, I think the, the general theme is, you know, you have this responsibility as an executive to engage your employees. Um, so it sort of puts the burden on the executive. While that is true to some extent, there's only one thing we can control when it comes to engagement. And that's how engaged we as individuals are. So, you know, it starts at that senior level, but if the middle managers see that the senior managers are engaged, the middle managers are more likely to be engaged. And then the junior staff underneath them are subsequently more likely to be engaged. Now there's a million tools and a million tricks out there and, and dare I say a million gimmicks to try and enhance engagement. But at the end of the day, um, an engaged employee is going to be far more likely to be able to pivot, which, you know, I said earlier in the conversation, to me, that's the, that's the synonym for adaptability um, than someone who's not engaged. Yes, that makes sense. Um, another thing that I'm curious about your thinking on this, because we talked about a few minutes ago about organizational values. And I'm curious to think if there is in addition to what you're saying, right, um, you know, staying engaged as the executive is going to produce more engagement within your organization. But I'm curious your thoughts around having a clear value structure for yourself and knowing your own value system as an individual, how that can allow you to become adaptable and to know what your limits, to be able to make pivots, to be able to to flex in certain directions. Any thoughts on that? I think you've hit on one of the most important things um, for any executive. And I will be very transparent and, and, and candid, um, you know, with some of my own experience in, in what I'm about to say in that um, if you don't get it right with yourself first, you can fake it for a long time in a leadership role at, a, at the organizational level, but eventually that's going to come crumbling down on you. And I, I think that um, I've long believed that for most people, some of our greatest strengths are also left unchecked, some of our greatest weaknesses. And so, you know, I can go back to a story very early on in my career, um, I, you know this, I, I started in the financial services business and mm -hmm. 
I remember working in this particular office and there were a couple of absolute rock star financial advisors who from just from a revenue generation perspective were just killing it. These are these were guys that like they couldn't even get a car loan because they had credit scores of like 510. So like they knew all of the tools, right? They knew all of the tools, but somehow in their own personal lives, they couldn't apply them. And that ultimately, like I said, it comes crashing down on you. Now, let me tell you a funny story that adds on top of that. So in college, I worked, um, I worked customer service for banking and I'll never forget the guy that called in and said, please, please. I just had a check bounce for my CPA exam. <laughs> that was, and I was like, really? Um, and, and of course we can't do anything about it, but he, you know, he was thinking there's something we could do to prevent it, right? And, and I, you know, here you have somebody that's pursuing to be a CPA, the person that manages the company books and and he can't balance the checking account to pay for the actual exam. Yep. And he balances on check. Yep, there you go. Yeah. Perfect example. And, you know, I mean, um, one of the things that, you know, I do in, in, in my work um, is, is I, I help people get unstuck. Uh, I help teams navigate and manage change. And I will tell you, I have been knocked flat off my chair in my personal life at times, not being able to, you know, manage some of that change, right? That, that can just mm-hmm. happen. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, you have that like head scratching moment with yourself where you say, wait a second, I have all the tools at my disposal, but yet I can't get out of my own way. So to, you know, to go back to your original point of, really identifying those core values for yourself and saying, you know, what is the standard that I hold myself to? What are the things I value most deeply to the point where I won't, I won't be willing to compromise on those things. Now, am I open to having a conversation? Am I staying open-minded? That's a different thing. Yes, absolutely. You have to do that. But I, I think there's, there's this real importance around, personal core convictions and, you know, really getting that space right for yourself as a leader, as an executive, in order to be able to really translate that effectively into an organizational setting. I love it. I love it. So Seth, this has been a fantastic conversation. I know we can absolutely keep going. Um, However, we have to draw some lines and some limits somewhere. So uh, I want to open up a final question and I want to invite if, if you would like our audience to be able to find you anywhere, you can give them some detail. But on this note, on this conversation that we're having around adaptability as leaders, as organizations, is there any one key nugget that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Um, can, I, can I do two and I'll make them quick? Um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. You know, it goes it goes back to the last point we were just talking about. One one is, you know, stay true to yourself. I think there's a lot of noise out there around this idea of adaptability. We're constantly being fed so much information 
And if we don't have those organizational core values and, and really that framework in place to say, what information that is being poured at us at a thousand miles an hour, um, do we accept, do we contemplate and do we reject? Otherwise you're just gonna be so flooded that you're never gonna make any progress whatsoever. And then when it comes to the actual like transfer and application of that knowledge, the best information in the world won't do anything for your organization if it doesn't match the culture and the learning style of the people who then are tasked and responsible with implementing these new strategies of adaptability. So, you know, decide how you want to filter your information before you open up that spigot and then just really make sure that you know, the message and the way that it transfers is something that resonates with the culture you've built. Otherwise, it's going to be a really long and frustrating path. I love that. Um, so your first point is prioritization. And in a day and today, like I, I, everybody that's listening to this right now, you know, you know, you get hit with emails so fast and requests for meetings and requests for this and requests for that. And many of you are good, you're effective, and you say no to a good percentage of those. But I'm going to take, I'm going to take a stab, and a lot of the listeners are saying yes to, to too many things, and there's going to be a lot of value in filtering or prioritizing, as, as Seth just said, in where you put your attention, in what you actually decide, this is where I'm going to focus. And so I think that was absolutely right. And then their second point there of speaking in a language that the people in your organization can understand. It's, it's being able to communicate, you know, and I heard it said this way, if you have two people and one person has 100% um, of the solution, but can only communicate 20% of it because they have a, 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 their, their communication skill is not at par. So they understand 100% of the solution, but they can only communicate 20%. Or versus someone that understands 50% of the solution, but is able to communicate 100% of that. You want the second person. You want the person that can communicate the most understanding that they have. And, and the way to do that is to speak in, in a language and with a, a tone that your organization is going to be able to absorb. So I love both of those points. Thank you. Seth, anything else you'd like to add? Um, or where can our listeners find you if, if they wanted to, to learn more about you? Um, so, you know, certainly feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, it's the normal LinkedIn URL and then uh, Seth M. Stone. Uh, you can find me there. Um, I can share an email address. I can share uh, it's uh, seth.stone at yriny.org if folks want to connect with me via email. Happy to do that as well. Um, would love to engage with anyone who has any follow-up questions or uh, commentary and, or, you know, just if there's uh, any way that I can, I can help. Always happy to do it. Awesome, Seth. Thank you. And uh, we'll add those uh, links into the show notes as well. Great. All right, everybody. This is Greg with the Adaptive Executive. Until next time.
Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard and thank you for listening.